This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds and Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Find out what Reynolds is up to in the digital retailing space by visiting reyrey.com slash register. That's R-E-Y, slash register. I'm Jason Stein, publisher of Automotive News, and this is Daily Drive for Thursday, May 20th. There are few topics in the automotive industry that are getting more airtime than the obvious crisis around semiconductors. The disruption has set the automotive world into a panic as it relates to product shortages and conversations around solutions. Everyone has the same problem. The solution does not seem obvious or apparent. And for the first time in recent memory, most automakers and suppliers have been forced to turn their attention span inwards, assessing their own capabilities and solutions. With that as context, Automotive News wanted to hear from the industry directly. In the end, we heard from 475 subscribers. On Monday, we released the results of an extensive survey under the headline Examining the Global Chip Shortage, with themes around the navigation of the crisis, its impact, and how to mitigate future supply chain disruptions. A couple of key numbers from the survey. 72% of respondents think the chip shortage crisis will impact the industry for at least six months. And 42% of automakers and parts suppliers say the ongoing global shortage of microchips has changed how they manage supply chain risk. Yet among those respondents representing automakers and suppliers, only 22% say their companies are considering additional investments in technologies that would help create earlier warning signs of potential supply chain risk. So what's next? How to navigate the issue? And where will this lead to changes in the industry? Today, I talk to my Daily Drive co-host and the architect of the report, Steve Smith. Steve is the Executive Director of Custom Research and Data Strategy at Automotive News. We've reached him near St. Louis, Missouri. Well, it's not often you get to interview your co-host, but it is my absolute pleasure to welcome you to Daily Drive, Steve. Thank you. It is certainly a different point of view being the guest versus the host, but we've got an exciting topic to talk about. Today. We do have an exciting topic. And, you know, Steve, you're, you and the team have, have really hit on what is the topic in the industry right now, entitled under Examining the Global Chip Shortage, Automotive Executives' Views on Navigating the Crisis, Its Impact, and Mitigating Future Supply Chain Disruptions. That is the report that's out. It is full of uh, valuable information, 17 pages all in. But Steve, let's start by uh, just talking about who we surveyed and why we wanted to survey them. Absolutely. So the chip shortage is certainly top of mind for a lot of executives, automotive manufacturers, suppliers, dealers, et cetera. And we wanted to understand from our readers largely what they were thinking about the crisis, how if you were an automaker, if you were a supplier, how you were thinking about navigating the crisis, and then more long term some of the implications, what they were thinking around conversation that's going on in Washington relative to investment into semiconductor manufacturing, broader climate change and electric vehicles. A lot of the things that the administration is saying about its climate plan around its jobs plan, its investment in infrastructure, et cetera. So we, so we wanted to go out and see how our readers were thinking about that. So April 13th through the 16th, we sent out a survey, uh, 475 people responded. 
39% of those were manufacturers, both suppliers and OEMs, 40%, 48% of those, excuse me, were dealers. The rest were others, fell into other categories. And when you dive into the manufacturing side of this a little bit further, 40% of these, of the respondents represented that were automakers and suppliers represented engineering, product development, manufacturing, supply chain, procurement. So folks that are very much tied to the semiconductor issue, not, not only if you're building the vehicles, but also if you're managing the supply chain, if you're in procurement, et cetera. And so we think we got a pretty good view of how, how the industry is feeling about this issue. And the industry is um, shell-shocked would be the one, one word that I think, I think that we could use. Um, certainly shock was the word uh, used by Jim Farley, Ford CEO, uh, when he talked to uh, Automotive News Group publisher Casey Crane for our World Congress Conversations. He said it's perhaps the greatest supply shock he's ever seen. A lot of headlines coming out, um, seemingly on a daily basis. But let's talk about some of the key takeaways. Uh, walk me through the uh, reaction uh, from the survey respondents, what they told us. Absolutely. So more than so about 75%, 72% actually. So almost almost three-fourths say this is going to last for the foreseeable future through all of 2021, maybe in so much in a little bit into 2022. And we're seeing validation of that based on folks we're interviewing. A lot of the earnings announcements that came out a couple of weeks ago have talked about this is still going to impact automakers through Q2, through Q3, and our readers believe that as well. When you ask them how severe this impact will be on their jobs, on their companies, on the industry. 61% say this is going to impact their job. 72% say this is going to impact their company. And almost unanimously, 93% of respondents say this is going to have some impact on the automotive industry. Some of the key themes and takeaways, um, I think first and foremost, it's that automakers and suppliers responding to the survey say that they are going to rethink how they mitigate supply chain risk in response to the shortage. What I think is a bit of a paradox, however, is you ask them if they are going to make investments in technology to help um, perhaps create earlier warning signs about supply chain disruption, potential supply chain risk. Only 22% of those respondents that are automakers and suppliers say they are investing in those technologies, which is very interesting. We've had some folks talking on Daily Drive lately not only in terms of uh, from a procurement and supply chain perspective um, on the front end, the chip manufacturing perspective, but also from a from a from a broader procurement perspective, and this notion of investing in technologies not only to identify potential bad apples within the the commodities within the products themselves, but also this ability to create deeper supply chain visibility have been key themes through a lot of the interviews that we've had recently on daily drive. So yes, we're changing the way that we are thinking about supply chain risk, but largely, no, we're not thinking about technologies to improve that supply chain visibility was one of the, the key takeaways. It's a, it's a paradox, right, Steve? I mean, you, you, uh, the full recognition that, that, that this is shutting down the industry, yet the willingness to pursue different pathways, not exactly there. I would absolutely agree with you. And what's interesting, right, it, it's there are technologies available that in the manufacturing process, you can identify 
quality issues, et cetera, um, even before the chips are, are even being made or implemented. And that offers a lot of potential risk avoidance, cost reduction in the long term. There are technologies that allow for deeper supply chain visibility beyond beyond tier one, beyond tier two, into tier three. And quite frankly, we've recently had a conversation with Chris Richards uh, from Deloitte, and he was talking about how a lot of the best practices in the industry that he largely serves, high tech and, manuf- and, and, and consumer electronics manufacturing, they use these types of supply chain visibility mitigation efforts to make sure that Uh, They have this visibility earlier, unlike where in the automotive industry, a lot of the the suppliers, if you're building axles, if you're building wheels, if you're building interiors, your customers and your supply chain is pretty captive. That's an entirely new ballgame is you are competing with suppliers. Um, if If you're competing for semiconductors, not only against your competition, but with big consumer electronics companies and healthcare companies and aerospace companies. And having this visibility into the supply chain is going to be key to mitigate some of these concerns going forward. Uh, We heard that through a lot of the interviews we've done recently on Daily Drive, and and to your point, the paradox, it doesn't look at least like the automakers and suppliers that responded to our survey are, are thinking about those technology investments. And I think what's more concerning to me in the long term is there is a very good chance of that if this isn't addressed, it's going to happen again, and, and particularly around electric vehicles. There are going to be the same companies that are fighting for the lithium, the cobalt, all of the same raw materials that go into batteries. And as the automakers look to build these electrified uh, product portfolios and the demand goes up, so will demand for those commodities that power cell phones and that power uh, you know, any sort of infrastructure, right? This, this need for electrified technology and the commodities that go into that are just going to continue to increase. And, and if some of these technology investments into supply chain to mitigate not only this risk, you know, there is a good chance that this is going to happen again here in the future when it comes to electrification and AVs as electronic content continues to grow. We'll hear more from Automotive News' Steve Smith after this message. Consumers today are pushing for remote and virtual experiences. What you may think is a simple fix by going fully online quickly results in an even bigger problem, loss of control and shrinking profit margins. The question isn't if you go online, it's how. How is it done in a way that you don't sacrifice the success of your overall dealership? The answer? Tune in starting May 17th for a virtual summit hosted by Reynolds & Reynolds. You will gain educational insight into all things digital retail, challenges to the status quo, how to retail anywhere without sacrificing anything, and the true impact on dealerships just like yours through one-on-one dealer conversations. This event is on us and on demand. Grab a seat while they last. We hope to see you there. To register for the virtual summit and learn more about retail anywhere, visit reyrey.com slash register. That's R-E-Y, R-E-Y dot com slash register. Steve, what did you uh, learn in, in asking the question about potential longer-term implications if chips fail? 
Short term, a lot of the, the respondents that uh, represent automakers and suppliers saying they're finding alternate sources for supply to get us through the short term. But still, a lot of folks express concerns for quality, capability, and the cost of these chips. So cost near term, perhaps not so much, but long term costs that if these alternately, alternatively sourced chips are not auto grade, do not meet the same specifications that traditionally sourced chips do. There are potential concerns long-term with warranty, with repair, with quality, the all-in costs with going uh, with, with going with these alternative uh, source chips. So I think if you're an automaker or a supplier right now, you're trying to balance this, hey, I've got vehicles that need to get off the line. I've got people that I need to keep the plants running. I've got other pieces in the supply chain. I've got to keep my people employed. And, and we have to keep cars and trucks moving off the line. Long term, though, doing so now through alternate sources of supply for these chips could, you know, could create longer issues down the road. And again, this was something that we had talked about, particularly with uh, one of our, our guests that represented the, the semiconductor industry, works for a semiconductor manufacturer. The cost the capability, uh, the quality of these chips, there was no surprise with the folks we, we spoke with uh, when we shared some of the, the findings from the survey, that this is going to be an issue that needs to be watched long term. Um, while you're navigating it now, uh, there are things that, that continue that you're going to have to continue to watch to see if these chips three years, four years, five, now, five years from now fail. And are there downside consequences to repair costs, quality costs, even used vehicle valuations, right? Who knows what these vehicles, if there's going to be any sort of, of change in valuation of, of used vehicles that were made in 2021, 2022 as a result of, of alternately sourced chips. Who knows? It'll be something to watch for sure. Fascinating to watch for sure. Let's talk about U.S. national security, um, competitiveness, infrastructure, and economic growth. What are the views on uh, if this crisis will serve as a catalyst for real change, real investment long term? So real t- long term uh, views are pretty mixed. Uh, they, the folks that we that we surveyed and responded uh, certainly, yes, this impacts national security. Yes, the ability to uh, improve an infrastructure and increase the United States ability to manufacture semiconductors will will improve competitiveness, will drive job growth. Uh, but these are long term fixes. Right. And it's a bit of a it's a bit of a crossroads that we as an industry are, are navigating this now. But at the same time, there are very real conversations that are happening around investments in infrastructure, investments in in semiconductor manufacturing, uh, investments in in talent, um, and and the growing skills gap in in the United States. So long term, uh, respondents are saying yes, this might move the needle. It's not going to solve this for for the short term. But I also think it's just interesting because we asked survey survey uh, respondents, you know, part of this, are you finding alternately su- uh, sourced chips? Was yes, we're finding alternately sourced chips, but you also asked them, do they want, would they prefer to sh- uh, source chips in the United States? And frankly, most of them would. Nearly half of them said they would prefer to source chips within the United States. And here again, long term, you find the situation that says if there was the enhanced ability to build 
and manufacture semiconductors in the United States, and you have an industry that says, at least the folks that responded to our survey, half of them is saying that they would we would prefer to source their chips in the United States. If the capabilities were there, if the talent was there, if the infrastructure to build these the this know-how in the United States was there, that would be a long-term benefit to the industry. And quite frankly, maybe nearshore would uh, serve as a bit of a risk mitigation strategy. Um, it was interesting in this week's edition of Automotive News, we covered a report from Alex Partners, Mark Wayfield, and his his team there. And I thought one of the interesting things that uh, that Mark said in that report was there is perhaps a strategy that automakers buy generic chips and upscale them, bring them up to uh, automotive uh, specifications within this within the industry. We own that that piece of it. And that also ties a lot to what Governor Matt Blunt said. Uh, uh, Governor Blunt is uh, with the the group that lobbies on behalf of Stellantis and Ford and General Motors in D.C. And him and his group are advocating that wherever the United States lands on investments in semiconductor manufacturing, a large portion of that be reserved for auto grade use. Again, maybe to, to offset not only these cost capability and, and points of view, but obviously we have a lot higher requirements in the United States uh, in this industry when it comes to passenger safety, et cetera, higher use cases, et cetera. And so you have this situation, I believe, where the government is taking notice of what's happening. They're planning investments in what's happening. The industry says, yes, those investments are going to be good in the long term. Um, might even solve for for you know this, some of the supply chain issues in the future. Again, when we're talking about electrification, when we're talking about AVs, uh, but in the near term, views are mixed in terms of any if anything that's happening now was going to move the needle on the passage of of infrastructure and semiconductor legislation. Four hundred and seventy-five automotive news subscribers. And readers uh, have given us their views on the crisis. Uh, you can read all about it. Uh, it is the global chip shortage, examining the global chip shortage. And um, Steve, where can our listeners find this? They can find this on autonews.com. You can find it on the homepage. There is a there is a link uh, available to all automotive news subscribers. And they can certainly reach out to me uh, if they'd like a copy as well. I'm happy to, happy to share it. He is the executive director of... Custom Research and Data Strategy at Automotive News. He is also my co-host on Daily Drive. Steve Smith, it's been a pleasure having you on the program today. Thank you, Jason. Always a great conversation. We reach Steve Smith, Executive Director of Custom Research and Data Strategy at Automotive News near St. Louis, Missouri. And that's Daily Drive for Thursday, May 20th. For breaking news, go to autonews.com. And for a library of more than 300 interviews, go to autonews.com slash daily drive. We'll be back Friday. <laughs>